Hey guys, welcome back to the Align Mind and Body podcast. This week's podcast is a client Q&A. I've got four questions I'm going to be answering today all around slightly different topics. I hope that you find this useful, whether your goal is hypertrophy, fat loss, or you are improving your relationship with food, there's going to be something for everyone today. So let's jump right in. First question that I've got this week is, I want to build my glutes, but I'm worried about going into a surplus. Do I have to go into surplus to build muscle tissue, a surplus, sorry, to build muscle tissue? So this is an interesting one that I'm going to answer in kind of in two parts. So first of all, it's not necessary to go into a surplus to build muscle tissue. It's optimal but you don't have to be in a surplus of calories to build tissue you can do that maintenance and actually sometimes in a deficit now when we talk about being in a surplus what we mean is that we have got a little bit of energy availability in regard to a surplus of calories so how we create that surplus will be different for everyone it will be obviously taking um adding some calories for example um, to get you into a surplus or it could be reducing movement so say for example if you have been doing a lot of cardio we could reduce that down and for a lot of people will be balance that will be a balancing act between output and input what we are looking for is basically to have enough energy available to build tissue now i think the first part of this question i'm going to answer with kind of basically we don't have to be in a surplus but if we think about how tough that building muscle tissue is anyway, muscle tissue takes a long time to build, particularly if you're female. Uh, our hormonal makeup is different to males. We don't have as much testosterone. Uh, genetically, we are just in a different place. We are gonna, it's gonna take a little bit longer as a female to build muscle tissue. It's a slow process. So if we're choosing to do that from a point of maintenance or a deficit, um, we are lengthening that process. We are prolonging what is a long process anyway to a point where it can be so marginal 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 that we will barely kind of notice it even over a few months so it's asking yourself first of all if you do for example this this kind of particular want to build your glutes um just managing your expectations with that and knowing that that's going to be a much much longer process if you choose to do that from uh, a position of maintenance or a deficit now from the position of a deficit this is only really i guess applicable for a handful of people um that's going to depend on kind of your starting body composition if you are already fairly lean um this again is probably not going to be the most optimal position for you to be in um if you are also quite a well experienced lifter again probably not the best path to take to be in a deficit and try and build muscle tissue um simply because that idea of novel stimulus has passed the only time really we can get away with being in a deficit and building muscle tissue at the same time is for example if you're maybe in a slightly larger body you are dropping body fat and you are new to lifting that way we do see what some people call quote unquote newbie gains um that where training stimulus is a novel stimulus to the body and your body will soak that up and adapt to it and in those circumstances which is quite i guess a small portion of the population that we would we would experience that kind of newbie gains even if you're in a deficit however i would 
really kind of, I guess, question first as a coach, why you're worried about going into that surplus. That would be my first question. Um, I think sometimes the idea of going into a surplus, particularly for us females, and particularly, I guess, from the expectations of this whole bulk and cut cycle that we see, I guess, from, from bodybuilding and bodybuilding's changed even the generic fitness industry and its expectations that we kind of assume that if we go into a surplus we're going to then go into this kind of quote-unquote bulk cycle and that means you know loads of excessive calories that means loads of excessive body fat gain um in the pursuit of building muscle tissue and that's not the case going into a calorie surplus doesn't mean gaining a load of body fat it doesn't mean having to go into one of these bulk phases it literally just means having a little bit of extra energy available so i've make sure that your perception of what a, an energy surplus is 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 valid and clear um and if you are someone that is going to be coached by me and uh, you are um you are coached by me and you value your body composition and your overall health then we won't be pushing up into a bulk in that respect we will just be making sure that there is enough energy available so think of it like making sure that you've got the building blocks available for the muscle tissue to be built if we're asking our body to basically to go into the gym to break down muscle fibers which is what happens when we train and then to rebuild those muscle fibers and then add a little bit which is what happens when we adapt to training we need that energy available we need the cement to go between the bricks right and that cement comes from excess energy if we were in a surplus and we didn't resistance train that excess energy would go on as body fat but if we are resistance training if we're progressively overloading in the gym and that side of training um you know the, the training needs to grow tissue are covered then that excess energy is going to be utilized to build muscle tissue yes there might be a slight tiny bit of that excess that it then goes on as body fat but it doesn't have to be this case of you know you have to gain all this body fat or you have to quote unquote get uncomfortable to build muscle tissue you absolutely don't so i think being clear on what going into a surplus means for you so that maybe that might dispel some myths and allow you to i guess look upon it a little bit more favorably would be my advice um so no you you don't have to go into a surplus but i think making sure that your perception of what that looks like is where i'd want to start and nine times out of ten when we have that conversation when we kind of get our head around that that maybe it's not the perception that you maybe have got in your mind um a lot of the time clients do become more comfortable with that and then therefore going into that surplus and building tissue a little bit more optimally you are going to see so much more benefit in 12 months time from being in a slight surplus for your hypertrophy goals than if you choose to be at maintenance for example um and to do it that way so i think just kind of dispelling that myth in your mind will answer a lot of that um but if you do choose to do it at maintenance that's absolutely fine as well um but just managing your expectations that the process will be a lot slower because there is less energy available for us to build that tissue and then you making your mind up um as a result of that but just knowing that that will take a little bit longer um in the process of that and then obviously making sure that we have got all of the other side of it covered with training um it's not just about the energy availability right it's making sure that you are connecting properly with your movements you're training optimally so obviously making sure when we go into hypertrophy phases that we are sending in tra training video feedback making sure that we're getting the most out of the movements that we've chosen making sure that you are progressively overloading in the gym that you're getting a little bit better each week that you're lifting a little bit more every time that you well trying to lift a little bit more every time you go into the gym whether that's an extra rep or an extra little bit of load um and then that will go hand in hand with the extra energy to build muscle tissue over time.
So the next question is, my scale weight, so this client is in a fat loss phase. My scale weight is maintaining on 1500 calories. Should I drop my calories? Do I need to drop my calories? So first question that I would ask and that I did ask, and we got to the bottom of this um, quite well this week, which is awesome. Um, and we've started to see some progress now. The first question is going to be around adherence. So those of you that have been in any type of fat loss phase with me will know that before we make adjustments, before we, you know, add output, before we reduce calories, we always probe a little bit in regard to adherence, right? And even if you are someone who is utilizing tracking, I can see clearly kind of your MyFitnessPal diary, your nutrient intake, for example, I'm going to get you first to do an adherence scan is what I kind of call it. And is to really be kind of self-aware and a little bit critical and go through your choices, go through your adherence, your tracking accuracy, um, and make sure that you are being adherent to your calorie amounts first. Now, one thing that I will say is obviously I've coached hundreds of um, clients and there's things that I see quite frequently and there's kind of, I guess, everybody's maintenance point is different. What it takes for each person to be in a deficit, for example, is different, but there are some parameters that I know that if there is, for example, a five foot three woman who is on a certain amount of calories, she's really, really active with the kids, she's training all the time, she's doing cardio, and you're not losing body fat, we know that the most likely you're not actually intaking 1500 calories, for example. And actually, that might be that you realise that you might genuinely think you are, but maybe you are, maybe your portions are off. So maybe it means that we have a couple of weeks of going back to just weighing everything out, and making sure that your portions are, are where they need to be maybe that means that we have to be a little bit more strict with okay is everything that is going in your everything that's going in your mouth being tracked on my fitness pal uh, maybe you've been going into work and you've been nicking a few sweets or biscuits and you've not actually not been accounting for them all these little things that can add up to close that deficit we need to be making sure that we are looking at um accountability and um adherence first before we change anything um and actually what we find nine times out of ten is that some little behaviors have maybe slipped so whether that is that um you know you've started adding on condiments or sugar in your tea or a bit of cheese on top of your pasta bake which is absolutely all absolutely fine but that we are making sure that we're accounting for those calories because quite quickly that extra biscuit or a couple of biscuits that you have in work is 150 calories you know those four cups of coffee that you have a day that you have semi-skimmed milk in and a couple of sugars in could be a couple of hundred calories and then that sprinkle of you know whether it's um, full fat condiments or some cheese on top of your tea quite quickly that can become 500 calories that's unaccounted for right so quite quickly that then becomes 2000 calories a day not 1500 and actually you are sitting at maintenance and that closes maybe the 500 calorie deficit that we have been trying to create so it's not about saying oh you know i can't have that sugar in the tea or i can't have that sprinkle of grated cheese on my pasta for example it's about saying okay let's account for that that might mean okay maybe i'm gonna swap out those biscuits that i've been having for a couple of pieces of fruit and actually that's gonna allow me then those calories to utilize on that cheese for example and just being aware of these things maybe you go do you know what actually i'm not that bothered about having the cheese on top of my pasta i can forgo that couple of hundred calories um and you make your choices of what you want in and you're going to account for and what you're not actually that bothered about and you can forego and mo most of the time when we do this kind of 
rechanneling in with our portion control, scanning about adherence, making sure that we are accounted for every single thing. Nine times out of 10, we realize we're not actually reporting correctly in regard to tracking adherence. And actually that kind of solves the issue and we can realign a little bit and we start to see the scales moving in our favor again. Um, so that would be my first thing before we drop calories. And realistically, it will be based on every client, right? And a lot of the time, I'd say if you're kind of at the kind of 1400, 1500 mark, and you're not seeing things dropping, um, if you've got room to increase expenditure, that will probably be the next thing. For example, if you're not doing any cardiovascular um, training, or you are, I don't know, say, for example, you're really sitting at baseline steps, for example, of like six to 8,000. My next thing will probably be to encourage you to create a, create a deficit from that side. Can we increase meat levels? Can we add a little bit of gentle cardio? Um, rather than bringing food down again to a point where actually that might be really, really not a nice place to be or be challenging for you. So there's so many different facets here. But remember, there's more than one way to create a deficit and how we do that is going to be client applicable. That's exactly what one to one coaching is about. It's about working together to find out what um, you find challenging and what you can, I guess, choose your heart. Right. Um, and a discussion that I had with um, a, a competitive client this week was that he um, he was finding being on a certain calorie goal quite tough. Uh, but we had loads of wiggle room with cardio. So we brought calories up ever so slightly, but we increased cardio quite significantly so that actually he enjoyed the cardio and he had no problem with doing cardio. And now actually he is finding adherence a lot easier and scale weight is now moving because we've done that in a way that works for him. But that relies on you being honest as a client and bringing these things to the plate so that we can make these decisions together. Now, the next part of this question, this is a, kind of a dual prong question. This was actually the same client and again, part of our discovery process in working out what was going on. Um, I'm only going out once per week, but I'm not dropping scale weight. Now, again, this is something that can feed into, I guess, closing that deficit, right? That we think, well, you know, I'm, I'm going out once per week, but like I'm being super adhering on all of these other days. So what's going on? Now, what we unfolded was that there was little things here and there that maybe weren't accounted for. And also remember the weight of that one choice per week right quote unquote going out once per week can look like going to i don't know let's just pick a restaurant wagamama's for example having a stir fry that is like 500 calories that could mean that you go okay cool on a wednesday we tend to go out on a date night or on a friday we go out on a date night uh you know went to wagamama's and i my calorie goal is 1500 i ate you know around a thousand calories i had approaching a fiber-based breakfast, lunch, um, a little snack before I went out, I chose a dish that was roughly around 500 calories and I was there or thereabouts with my calories. Boom, awesome, um, fitted in to your week really, really well. That could also look like I went out to Wagamama's, I didn't really account for it, I didn't really track the rest of the day, kind of just ate what I wanted. Um, that could have looked like, I don't know, 1300 calories before you went out. Um, didn't really account for it. Left like, I guess, 200 calories, but then chose the katsu curry because that's what I choose. That's 1200 calories. And actually then you've been way over by over a thousand calories. So it's not necessarily the quote unquote going out and the social occasion. It's how we fit that into the week and the choices that we make, right? And I'm not gonna say to anybody that's on a fat loss journey, that you cannot go out but we need to figure out and actually contrary to that i encourage all of you 
to maintain the things that are important and of value to you in your life. And if you are someone who, say, for example, you have, um, you're in a relationship and part of your relationship is going out on date nights and that's how you keep your relationship alive, particularly if you've got young children, for example, that's a really, really valuable part of your life. That is not something that we want to compromise on for you to achieve your fat loss goal, right? We want to work out how you can do that and also achieve your goals. So that doesn't look like avoiding going out. That looks like paying a little bit closer attention to what is actually going on on that day. And actually, what we often find is that maybe the choices that are being made when you go out for those date nights maybe aren't aligned. Maybe we go, do you know what? I'm really, really good all week. And then I put my head in the quote unquote fuck it bucket and I'll start again tomorrow. And actually this mindset isn't really helping us, right? And that actually, if we realize that there's no on or off, there's no start again tomorrow, there's just the the, uh, average of the choices that we make over time. And actually we can still have these things and make choices that align. And therefore we don't have to sacrifice anything, but we do have to just reach a level of compromise. That can be such an empowering place to be. So actually sometimes when we delve a little bit deeper and we think, okay, you're going out once per week, but actually, Let's take that from I'm going to have three courses and a couple of glasses of wine to you maybe think, okay, I can forgo having a glass of wine tonight. I'm going to go for maybe a side or a starter and I'm going to make a choice from the menu that aligns with me. I'm going to budget and give myself 800 calories, for example. Maybe that means that you take 100 from the couple of days prior and you save 500 from your actual day and you give yourself 800 calories and you make choices that are there or thereabouts within that calorie goal. That might look like choosing a lean protein and swapping fries out for veg, for example, with your choices. Looks like having maybe one glass of wine rather than having the whole bottle. And actually when you realize that you can do these things and actually it doesn't have to derail you, your relationship with those times improves and actually your relationship with your goal improves as well because you become a lot more consistent. And that's really a really, really empowering place to be. So it's less about the actual going out and more about your intent and choices. And again, this is coaching, right? And it comes down to you as a client discussing those things and us going back and forth to figure out how we can fit this in. And that all relies on communication, open communication between us. Um, So again, how we show up is really, really important. And also making sure that you are mindful of your goals and you know, if we're in a position where this is keeping us at maintenance and we're spinning our feet, spinning our wheels, for example, that actually just making these small compromises can actually get you there a hell of a lot quicker. And sometimes it's not as dramatic as we think it is. And when we realise that, a lot of the time we realise we're much closer than we actually think we are. That's a really nice feeling as well. So final question is, and this is more of a food relationship related question, but something that I think comes up a lot that maybe some of us don't consider. When I'm out with my friends, well, it's less of a question, more of a statement, but something we're going to discuss. When I'm out with my friends, I feel really uncomfortable when people talk about my body. It's actually making me not want to go out. So this is something that comes up quite frequently. I think in two contexts, first context being if you are, I guess, you don't have the best relationship with your body, you maybe feel uncomfortable in your body, 
and you may be on a fat loss journey, for example. And it also shows up a lot in the context of if you maybe have chronic dieted in the past, maybe you've competed in, in fitness shows and you are now trying to rebuild your relationship with your body image and your food relationships. And that can be quite a challenging process when your body image is very skewed. You spend a lot of time, I guess, feeling comfortable in your body whilst your body adjusts to normal life. You can find yourself really feeling uncomfortable in situations where I guess as women, body and diet talk can be quite frequent, whether that's in the office, at work or socially when um, everybody is dressed up, for example. And I think it's recognising this, first of all, of recognising, you know, these feelings are coming up and it's making me not want to go out, recognising that that's not helpful, right? To actually act on that and to avoid going out and socially you know interacting isn't helpful for our overall mental health part of our health is social health so we want to make sure that we are recognizing that actually we want to work on this rather than avoid be avoidant altogether so it's a great thing that you've actually recognized this first of all now what's really really important is that your comfort is is important and it's about you recognizing that that other people don't have a right to make you feel uncomfortable. And sometimes they don't realize that as well, particularly if you're working on your relationship with your body, you're working on your relationship with your body image, that maybe what is normal for them to talk about bodies and things, they may not realize that that's actually having a detrimental effect on you. And this ultimately comes down to you setting boundaries. And when you're maybe a people pleaser, which many of us, many of us are, this can feel really abrasive at first. This can re feel really, really uncomfortable. But I guess reflecting on times when you're out and when you compromise on this for other people's comfort. So say, for example, people are making comments about your body. People are asking about how you look and things like that. Sorry, making comments about how you look, asking you about your body. That you recognize when you are, I guess, putting their comfort in front of your own, when you're compromising and and you are people pleasing in this situation, but actually you're leaving yourself in a place where you're really uncomfortable. These are the times where you've got that, I guess, choice point where you can say, okay, I'm going to set a boundary here and I'm going to put myself first, or I'm going to compromise my comfort for other people. And if you realize that actually compromising your comfort for other people is what's putting you in this place of not wanting to go out, of not wanting to socialize, and actually that when you start to uphold these boundaries, you become much more comfortable with socialising, more comfortable with going out and more comfortable with spending time with people that actually we know that's the greater good, right? It's getting over that first hurdle of, of how those boundaries might sound. So remembering that your body isn't up for discussion and it's completely valid for you to set that boundary. And that doesn't have to be abrasive. That can just look, you know, sound like, oh, you know, I'm not really up for talking about my body or, you know, I, I'm not... Um, I'm not really here to talk about diet or my body right now. I'm just here to have a good time. So I just appreciate it. We didn't talk about it and diffusing the conversation right away, or even just telling the people around you how you feel when we talk about food, dieting, or, you know, when we talk about, we talk about my body like that, it actually makes me feel quite uncomfortable. Um, so I'm setting a boundary around that, or, you know, I would appreciate it if we, if we wouldn't talk about that. And actually that sets a precedence for people to understand where your boundary is and they can then choose whether they cross that or they respect it. And a lot of the time people will respect that boundary, right? The conversation will then divert to something else. And sometimes we can build it up in our mind to be something scary that it's not. And a lot of the time the conversation will just diffuse away. 
if people cross that boundary again, again, reminding them, you know, I, I have said that I don't want to talk about that. If we continue to talk about this, I'm going to walk away, you know, I'm going to remove myself. And then that final cross being actually removing yourself from the situation, going to speak to somebody else, for example, and keeping your comfort at the forefront. And the more that you do this, the more you realise that you, you can do that. You can protect yourself in these situations, but you have to show yourself first. You have to give yourself that evidence. You have to respect yourself enough to know that your comfort is more important in that situation than the comfort of others. And really, if you do have people that violate that boundary, that cross that boundary, you just have to ask yourself, are these the people that are the closest to you? Do these people's opinions matter? And actually, are these the people that you want to be surrounding yourself with? Ultimately, can you remove yourself from the situation here and actually put yourself around people that will respect your boundaries, that, that do care about you ultimately and how you feel? And a lot of the time what we find is that when we recognise this, we are often people pleasing for people that don't really matter that much in our lives and that the people that are closest to you that care about you will respect you, will, will care about how you feel and will want you to be comfortable in situations. And particularly when they realise that you spending time with them relies or, or enjoying spending time with them relies on these boundaries. And watch the narrative shift when you realise that you can go out and have a good time and set boundaries and not talk, talk about these things that make you feel uncomfortable, that you can go out and enjoy yourself. And actually that quality time becomes much, much more enjoyable. And then that relationship you have with going out, with enjoying yourself builds as well, because you have less of a fear around it because you've come, become better at setting boundaries around maintaining your comfort. But it takes you crossing that bridge initially and getting over that scary bridge of what we build up to be scary setting boundaries in our minds to show yourself that you can do it. And I promise that as you start to set boundaries, it will become easier to do so. The first few that you set will be the hardest. But you are well within your right, particularly if it's making you not want to go out. You you are completely valid to put your own comfort first and set those boundaries. And believe me, when you start to do it, you will realise how much more enjoyable these situations become when you are able to stand up for yourself and for what matters to you. So I hope that you found this helpful, guys. A little bit of something for everybody in this week's Q&A. Um, keep the questions coming. Obviously, any questions that you guys ask on check-ins, I think will be helpful for other clients. I will drop anonymously onto these Q&As so that you can all learn from each other as well. And I hope that when you are listening to these podcasts and remembering that these topics are inspired by you guys, that you realise that we have common grounds and common struggles, right? And that we all are very, very similar in that respect. And I think that that sometimes is really, really helpful when we feel like we're facing challenges that nobody else feels and that we feel like everybody else has got it together, that we it's completely normal and we all have very similar challenges as we uh, tackle our relationships with our body, with food and with pursuing our goals as well. So if you are not a client currently and you found this helpful, I currently am full in regards to client capacity, but I will be opening four coaching slots in January. You can register your interest for January coaching slots by emailing info at charliepfit.com, charlie with a Y, or DMing me on Instagram at Charlie P Fit on Instagram. If you are a current client and you do want to reach out further on anything that we've discussed today, just hit me up on WhatsApp. Um, you have my number. And yeah, I will see you guys in the next one.